Let's open our Bibles, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We read in Genesis chapter 1, it says here, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him. Male and female created he them. This is the creator God that we're talking about here. And again, this comes back into our own lives so, so many times in so many different ways. But focusing here in chapter 2, you know, Adam and Eve created by God. Uh, and then in, uh, we see in chapter 2, uh, in verse 18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So the Lord, uh, and we read some of this last week, the Lord created Eve. Uh, jump down to verse 22 in Genesis chapter 2. It says, then the, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib or from the side that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. I, I, I just want to see that. It's just like Adam says, wow. And God brought her. You know, there's so many pictures in this, and you can read it yourself and kind of see. Adam, he had to kind of be put to sleep before God could really do anything because he, he really didn't, it wasn't him. He couldn't do it. And I think you and I, uh, we need to have God do it. I, I've seen and, and even myself been involved in trying to make certain things happen when they, it wasn't what God was doing. But then he sees, he sees Eve and he goes like, wow. This is, this is it. This is the one, right? Well, she was, you know, it's like, Eve, you're the only one for me. Well, of course, she, she was the only one. But, but there's, a, there's a message in that, too, is to, to wait for what God has, you know. Verse 24, it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This concept of marriage, again, it comes in at the very beginning of creation, this, this, this thing that we call marriage. God designed it. He created it. And, and so we need to follow his plan. We can, we can go all kinds of different directions, but God spells it out very clearly in his word. And, and I mentioned some of these passages. Ephesians chapter 5 uh, talks about husbands and wives. The Colossians chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3. I'll, I'm going to read a verse from that in a minute. Uh, Paul last week talked to the wives and uh, had a lot of good things to say. And so... I kind of saved my time for today because I didn't want to rush through it. She didn't rush through it, so I'm not going to rush through it, right? But, but one thing was very, very clear, and, and we both, Paula and I, after 45 years, we both agree that the most important factor is Jesus. What's going to hold your marriage together? It's Jesus. It's, and, and that's the simplistic, simplistic way of putting it, but... Uh, we read these verses at our wedding, and, and I'm going to put them on the screen as well. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4. This is another verse that we talk about in, in premarital counseling. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? In verse 12, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly or easily broken. So you see the, this companionship and the, the working together, this kind of a team. But in the very end, Solomon says, you know, a threefold cord can't be quickly or easily broken. You say, what is he talking about? He's, I believe he's talking about the Lord in the middle of our marriages in our lives. That's what's going to hold us together, this threefold cord. Notice he says there that it's not quickly broken and, and it can be broken. We've seen Christian marriages fall apart and be broken as well, but, but, but the, the strength is, is in having Jesus as a part of your life. This week, I want to kind of talk to the husbands. Now, maybe you're not a husband, but maybe you uh, will be someday, or maybe you know a husband that you can talk to and share with. Uh, uh, some of the passages talk about husbands loving your wives as Christ loved the church. Uh, Colossians says, husbands, love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. Um, but I, I'm going to uh, focus in on 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, you can turn there if, if you like. I'm going to put it up on the screen as well. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. And I like what the King, this is the King James Version, <clears throat> uh, how it puts it. And, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. But first, I, I got a card this week from John and Connie. You all know John and Connie, right? She sent a card. And uh, I'm not sure, but it kind of looks like she made it homemade. kind of looks really nice. Got uh, a bird and some, she cut this all out. Anyways, uh, I don't think she'd mind if I read to you what she said. She said, Paula and Rich... Notice she puts Paula first. She's probably going to watch at some point this. i got to pick on her a little bit. She says, celebrate with a dinner together given to you from the oldest married couple in the church. I don't know how many years they did. She doesn't say here. And then she says, love Ma and Pa Z. Isn't that sweet? P.S., some succinct marital advice. Number one, I'm sorry. Number two, forgive me. Number three, thank you. <laughs> she says, sound familiar? Question mark. <laughs> Very good advice. Longest married couple in the church. First Peter chapter 3 says this. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. That's a powerful. There's so much there. I'm not going to even get to, to all of it today, but there's so much there for the husband. You, you think about what God is asking us to do with what he's saying here. Now, many years ago, 
not long after we got here to New England, uh, we were asked to, to go and teach at a marriage retreat at Calvary Chapel, Boston, a couples retreat. And, and so I had a, a, a lesson, and, and uh, I came up with this, this uh, acrostic for P-L-O-D, right? And when I said that to him, I said, what does, what does P-L-O-D mean? And, you know, they're from Boston, and they, they hear things differently, and they start, <laughs> I'm going, what, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> so I had to explain it to them. And this is the definition of plod. To work or to act laboriously, perseveringly, steady, slowly, tediously even, and even monotonously. Did I spell that right? I think so. Even monotonously, look at all the different words there, and, and I'm, I'm applying this to marriage. It's not all a bowl of cherries, right? It's not all high. It's all, not all love, 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 you know. It's work sometimes. It's labor sometimes. And it's persevering, and it, it takes time. It takes a long, long time. So remember this definition as we go along. I like to keep things simple. So this... This acrostic that I came up with is this, P-L-O-D, pay attention, listen, observe, and dwell. Pay attention, listen, observe, and dwell. I thought about making a little booklet about this, but men don't read. You know, I was thinking even today, men, some of these men here are not even paying attention right now. You're thinking about something else, maybe the golf tournament that's on later today. You know, you, you've got your, your minds, you know, are all over the place. Well, that's not a good recipe for marriage. Because what does he say in that verse? He says to dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Okay. According to knowledge. And this knowledge is the, that Greek word gnosis, and it means to know by experience. There's different words for knowledge. And gnosis is to know by experience, that you've, you have this experience. Well, how are you going to get this experience if you never pay attention, if you never listen, if you never observe? You're not going to have any knowledge to dwell with according to. You, you see where I'm going with this? So... So it's very important that, that you dwell with your wife according to the knowledge you get by the PLO. And I'm not talking about the terrorist group. John Corson says this. He said, as a husband, I am to know my wife deeply, profoundly, in the way she deserves to be known, to listen to her, to honor her, and to know her. How do you know somebody if you never pay any attention to them? If you never listen to them, how are you going to know anybody? But on this deepest uh, relationship, husband and wife, Warren Wiersbe says this, he says, ignorance, ignorance is dangerous in any area of life, but it is especially dangerous in marriage. These husbands are starting to squeam and squirm a little bit in their chairs. But you don't have a clue. Warren Wiersbe says a Christian husband needs to know, no capital letters, his wife's moods, 
feelings, needs, fears, and hopes. And he, he needs to listen with his heart. That's the whole message right there. Well, let's break it down. The P, what's the P stand for? Pay attention. Are you guys paying attention right now? P, right? Pay attention. I'm saying it loud because that's how you get your, someone's attention when you're speaking. You know, that's what they say. If you talk loud all of a sudden, then they go, what? And they wake up, you know, they're sleeping, startled. To pay attention means this, to, to concentrate on and to listen, to watch, consider carefully. And, and, and the question is, do we really pay attention to our spouses? Do we really pay attention to, what, to, to them? And, and uh, we have so many other things that we pay attention to. We pay attention to our jobs. We pay attention to, you know, our hobbies, the sports we like. We pay attention to all these things that we're, that we're busy about and doing about. And then when it comes to the most important relationship in our lives, we don't pay any attention at all. Does that even add up? Does it even make sense? But we do. And I speak from experience. This gnosis, you know, to know by experience. I speak from my own experience. A while back, uh, Paula and I, we went kayaking, right? And we've only done this for like once. But we had this kayak that belongs to our son and sit in the back there and, and everybody else was gone. So, I, so we got this thing and put it in the back of my van and, and we went out kayaking down the road. So she sat up front, right? And I sat in the back, but I had to pay very close attention to how she was paddling. Or if I didn't, what would happen? The paddles would clash, right? Could crash, right? And so I had to really pay attention to see what she was going to do. And I had to even anticipate what side she would paddle because it wasn't always consistent. It wasn't always the same. So I had to really pay attention or we were going to be in trouble. Number one, pay attention, guys. You've you got to wake up and pay attention. If you don't, you will have clash. You will have problems. It costs something, but it pays off. The second thing is to listen. And, and this is, it, it, it takes that, that idea of listening. As You remember the definition of... of uh, Applauding is sometimes laborious, sometimes tedious, sometimes it's, it's hard. I remember years ago, Dave Therrien came and he taught a, a couple's retreat and he talked, about, he talked about this, the husband's listening to the wives and he was talking about, about how the, I don't know if he, any of you were here during that, the wives are talking and it's like a plane that's kind of circling up in the sky. And the husband says, would you just land the plane? I didn't make this up. But sometimes it's like that, and, and, and even now, you know, after 45 years, I'm, I'm trying to listen, and the story is like, what are you talking about? Would you get to the point, I have no, where are you going? It's not always easy. But if she feels listened to, it's, it's like she likes you. Right? If she, if she doesn't feel like you listen to her, why do I even bother with you? You know, we, 
we sat with, you know, some time back, we sat with a couple and, and, you know, the wife said he doesn't listen to me and she shared some things and she felt like, she said, gosh, somebody actually listened to me. It's, you know, and they'd been married for many, many years and, and he had never really listened to her, didn't know what she was, what she was thinking, what she had to say. James says this, what? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. We always want to jump in and say we want to say, okay, just, get, you know, get to the point, you know, whatever. It, it's sometimes hard just to bite your tongue and just listen. Just listen. Not just hearing with the ear, though, but, but considering what's being said. Listening, like Warren Wiersbe says, with her heart. We need to learn how to listen. We also, we all want people to listen to us, right? You want people to listen to you when you have something to say. But we don't often say, well, they, they want to be heard too. I want, you know, they, they want to be heard. I want to be heard. Number three, observe, and that. Uh, that, that's kind of an interesting word because it has really two definitions. Number one is, is to, when you observe uh, like a holiday, you, you follow the custom or the practice or the rule. You, you observe it and you, you do it like every year. You observe someone's birthday or whatever. And I think it applies though to this too, that, that it's a continuous thing. It's something you, you, you carry on with. But the second definition is to notice or to view, especially carefully with attention to detail and register it. And this is from the dictionary. Register it as being significant. That's, that's important. The, the things you observe, they're, they're important. What you see, this is, the, this is your wife that you need to be observing. How she reacts. How she thinks. Sometimes I can't understand what, how does she think? And I have to really listen hard and, and observe, like, well, how does that all fit together? And, and, and I don't think it's so much because she's hard to understand or hard to figure out. It's because I'm not paying attention, right? I'm not just going to pick on my wife here, though I'd like to. <laughs> to observe how she deals with things, what makes her upset. What makes her laugh? What makes her cry? What kinds of things she likes? She doesn't like if you do this or if you do that. Well, don't keep doing those things. You know, keep it simple. Stupid. Stupid. It takes effort, though. It's like, you know, we've got this big, you know, 65-inch TV screen, right? They're even getting bigger now. 75-inch now? I think they're probably even bigger than that. It's like gigantic. And that's, you know. And, 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 you know, we observe those things. We pay close attention. We're listening to everything that's going on there. And the wife has to kind of get in between us and that big screen to, like, get our attention. That isn't right. Oh, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to do, you know, what is it called when you do two things at once? I'm going to multitask. I'm going to watch this over here and I'm going to listen to you at the same time. Believe me, it doesn't work. It does not work. 
one of them will suffer. And we don't want our sports games to suffer. <laughs> right? And I'm going to be looking at my phone reading something. And, and you know what? I, I have a cell phone and, you know, I use it a lot and everything. But, you know, I think it is damaging to relationships. Because, you know, you go out to a restaurant and you see someone, both the husband and the wife, you know, they're both looking at their phones, you know. Well, that, that's really close. You know, you have a really close encounter of the unkind, of the non-kind, I should say. So, like at dinner time or when we go out, no cell phones. If you go out and have, you're going to have a meal together with your husband your wife, it's not cell phone time. Put the cell phone away. You can do that later on the way home in the car or whatever. Some of you are going, oof. Why is he saying that? Like, that's going to be really hard. God, I can't, I don't think I can do that. Oh, yeah, you can. And the D, to dwell. The definition is to live or stay as a permanent resident. To live or stay as a permanent resident. To live or or continue to live, uh, continue in a given condition or state. And this is a a present active participle. This is dwelling. Not something in the past, not something in the future. It's like right now. I'm living with her. I'm dwelling with her as a permanent resident according to the things that I can pay attention, listen, and observe. And the knowledge that I get from that. Dwell with your wife according to knowledge. David Guzik said that a godly husband dwells with his wife. He doesn't merely share a house, but he truly lives with her, with understanding And he undertakes the important job of understanding or knowing his wife. And by knowing her well, he is able to demonstrate his love for her far more effectively. Godly husband. I've seen it and and we've, we've lived it where we're just two people living in the same house. And that's... That's no way to live. That's not a marriage. That's not what God says. That's not what God's word says. Live, Dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Being heirs together of the grace of life. This is, this is something we share. The grace of life we share together. So pay attention, listen, observe. It's a lifelong study. It, it doesn't... You know, you don't like, well, we've been married for five years now and I really got that down. You, you're just getting started. Five years after 20 years, maybe you've learned a few things. You got some things down. Maybe after 25, 30 years, I, I, I'm just trying to figure stuff out now. 45 years. Like I said, last time we got married very young, I think we were like seven or something because <clears throat> I'm young now. But I, I have to, I have, this is something for me. This, this was a message for me, for, and I believe for every husband that we need to, to do. It's a lifelong, it's a long-term uh, study. It's a long-term proposition, and I think it's a full-time job. 
not part-time job. Well, this is my full-time job over here. My part-time job is, is, you know, my marriage, my home, my family. No, no, no. This is a full-time job. Notice that that he said there at the end of that verse that your prayers be not hindered. And, and, and that word that's behind that uh, being hindered, it literally means of a tree that is, has branches cut off. That's a tree that's cut down. And when we don't do these things, this is what happens. Your prayers are hindered. They're, they're like cut off. They're, they're like, uh, you know, we had this massive tree in our backyard and, and uh, Justin's... Uh, brother-in-law came and, and uh, cut the thing down. And we're going like, we're, we're like standing back. And one of the reasons we cut it down because it, was, it, it had all this pollen and it was like allergy, total allergies. Anyways, cut this thing down. And when it hit the ground, it fell hard. And it was like this huge cloud of pollen just spread around. And, we, and, and we're just going, we had to run in the house and, and to get away from it. But that's what it's like when, when we're, we're not doing what we're supposed to do. Our prayers are hindered. God says, what, it, what was that you said? I asked you to dwell with your wife according to knowledge, to honor her, to take care of her. She's your partner and together in the grace of life. And now you're asking me for what I can't really, I can't really hear you. Someone said this, failure to be considerate and treat one's wife with respect as a partner, blocks God's answers to our prayers. I think it's true. I think it's true. One last verse I want to end with uh, from Solomon. Ecclesiastes 9.9. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which he has given you under the sun, all your days of vanity, for that is your portion in life and in the labor which you perform under the sun. You see, life has got a lot of vanity. It's a lot of stuff, you know, just even our jobs sometimes and, and, and the labor that we perform under the sun. But, but the, the high point is what? It's, it's this. Live joyfully with your wife. This is the high point, not the side point. And Solomon knew what he was talking about. Solomon you read Ecclesiastes, you read the story of Solomon had how many wives? 700 wives. 700 wives. He, and he realized, you know, hey, he didn't say live joyfully with the wives whom you love. He realized, he, he tried it all and he found, in the end he said, in the end he said to, to trust God and to, to fear God and to keep his commandments. That's the, that's the end of all of it. And this is what God is saying here in 1 Peter chapter 3. Is that enough? Get the idea? Been paying attention? <laughs> Listening, observing, and dwelling. Guys, let's get, let's get busy. Let's, let's do what we're supposed to do. Let's pray. Gracious Father, our God who has given us your word to guide us, to direct us, to teach us, to show us the way, Father, I pray for the husbands even in this room and maybe husbands who might listen to this later at some point in time 
that you'd help us, Lord. We're just oafs. We really are. We really are. We think we know it all, but we really know nothing. I just confess that. I really, you know, we get, we get so proud, Lord. I, I, forgive us of our pride. We, we think we know everything. We, we really know so little. I pray you would keep us humble and, and help us to uh, be obedient to you and to your plan and your purpose. The husbands love your wives. Christ loved the church, to dwell with them according to knowledge, not be harsh with them, treat them with respect and honor as the weaker vessel and heirs together of the grace of life. Help us to do that, Lord. We, we can't do it, and in, in like I said in the song, Lord, we, we need your strength. We need your strength to do it. I pray for for any uh, men here today who are not married now, but maybe one day you will be. Maybe you, you need to, to learn some of these things to prepare. Maybe there's some wives here who are kind of wishing your husband would, would pay attention to you, listen to you. Pray, pray for him. He needs help. Pray for him. Father, but most of all, we thank you for the help that Jesus gives us in the middle of all this. That threefold cord, that's really what holds us together. Wrapped tightly around our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. And we thank you for that. We love you for that. Maybe there's some that don't know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. Today's a good day to Open your life and say, Jesus, please come in. Be my Lord. Be my Savior today. And your life will change forever. Amen. Let's all stand together and we've got to sing a song, a special song for you, with you.